Well, today we are doing something a little different this week and next week. We are taking you through our Grow Church 101 class. We're going to do part one today, part two next week, because we realized uh, a couple weeks ago that we only have one member in Coastline Church. He filled out the application or, or the commitment card a couple weeks ago, and out of all the years we've had a church, we only have one church member, and we realized that that's probably not a good thing. I realized I wasn't even a member of the church yet, and so we want to do two weeks. Uh, of Grow 101 so you can have a complete bird's eye view of who we are as a church, what it means to be a member of Coastline Church, what we expect of the members of Coastline Church. Someone last night, they came up to me and they said, uh, gave me the great, I don't know if they were intending it to be a compliment, but I took it as a compliment. They said, Pastor, you're really transparent, aren't you? I said, absolutely. There's going to be no surprises here. We're going to show you exactly who we are and exactly what we expect. There's not going to be a bait and switch where we try to get you in the door and then try to trick you oh, I didn't know about that. We want you to know exactly who we are as a church so that you can make a a, a decision. And at the end of the message today, I'm going to give you four reasons why we believe in church membership. I know there's a lot of debates out there on should you do membership, should you not do membership. Well, there's four important reasons why we personally believe in church membership here at Coastline that I want to share with you. And then I'm going to invite you to have an opportunity to decide whether or not this is a church you want to put your roots into and commit to and connect to and really grow spiritually in everything that God wants you to be. And if you want to be an intender, we want to make it loud and clear. Everybody is welcome here. If you decide you don't want to be a member, you are still welcome. You will always be welcome and you'll always enjoy this place and we will always be here uh, to serve you and to love you. But there are certain benefits the members will have that the non-members won't. And that's just natural in any organization. And we just want to make that clear this morning so that everyone understands it. But the beautiful thing is, if, if you'll listen and apply the things we talk about today, there are blessings attached to the requirements of being a member. There are blessings attached to it. None of this stuff is just arbitrarily thought up. There's a blessing attached to every single thing we're talking about today. And if you do them and apply them, you'll see personal benefits in your life. The first thing I want to talk a little bit about is I'll just give you a couple of the points of our DNA as a church. Because there's always you know, certain things that make us unique, that make us different with humans. And sometimes it's the hair color or the eye color. Well, there's certain things here that make us kind of unique and different. One of the first characteristics that that we as a church want to build and create is we want to be a life-giving church, a life-giving church. We want people to leave feeling better about themselves than before they came. And how many know not every church is like that? I've been to a lot of churches that you leave feeling worse about yourself than before you came. We want to be a life-giving church. We believe, you know, John says Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly. And the New Living Translation, it says Jesus came to give you a rich, satisfying life. And that's what a characteristic we want to be true of our church, that the people come here discover a rich, satisfying life through the power of God. We want to be life-giving. You know what separates? us between every other world religion, Jesus is alive. That's reason to celebrate right there. He's alive. That's what separates us. He's not dead living in a tomb somewhere, but he was risen from the dead. He's alive today, seated at the right hand of the Father. He is alive, so we should be a life-giving church. We're a no-perfect-people-allowed church. 
We are no perfect people allowed here. We want people that have a past to feel comfortable here. No matter what your past is, whether it's a white lie to the extreme, we want you to feel loved. We want you to feel accepted. We are no perfect people allowed. We are a grace-based church that takes broken people. We're a hospital. I like to say more than a church, we're a hospital for broken people. People that have needs, people that have issues, people that have a past, the people that have been through stuff in life. We want people to Find hope here, find love here, find, find healing here, find the next level of what God wants them. So we are no perfect people out. I like to say, we want this church to be a church that people who feel like the roof's going to cave in on their head feel comfortable here. I mean, you always meet friends that say, well, I can't go to church. If I went there, the roof would cave in on my head. God would strike me dead if I walked into a church. No, we want those people to feel loved and accepted and comfortable here because we're no perfect people out because those are the type of people that Jesus spent his time with in the New Testament. We are a man-friendly church. What does that mean? Let me make it clear. We are not chauvinistic here by any means. We are not male domineering here. We are man friendly. And the reason I say that is because most churches in America today are overly feminine. Uh, I think a church should be feminine, but I think a church should also be masculine. And the problem today is churches are too feminine and not masculine enough. And we actually emaciate men that go to a lot of churches today and we try to feminize them. And I want a church where men can be men and women can be women. And it's masculine and it's feminine and it's man friendly. Not that it's over manly. It's just man friendly. That's why as a pastor, you're never going to hear me say, grab the hand of the person sitting next to you. Why? Because if you're sitting next to some dude, you don't want to hold his hand. Let's just be honest. I don't want to hold hands with some other guy. I want to hold hands with my wife, and that's it. So you're not going to hear me say things like, you're not going to hear hear Jesus is my boyfriend worship music here. And I remember growing, when I first got saved, there was a real popular worship song. Hold me close to you, never let. I don't want to slow dance with Jesus. Let me be honest. That's just not my style. I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, Jesus isn't my boyfriend. He's my Lord. He's my savior. He's my king. He's my champion. He's my conqueror. I don't want to think about him as my boyfriend. Let me just be honest. You know, I I think of Bill, the construction worker coming into church and he's sitting here having to sing songs like, you know, never been in church a day in his life, comes straight from a construction site. Now he's having to say, hold me close to you, to some guy he doesn't even know yet. That's just a little bit weird. You know, I, I probably went too far there, but let me just be honest. We, we're not going to sing Jesus is my boy. We love Jesus. He loves us passionately. We love him passionately. We fight for him. He fights for us. He's a champion. He's a conqueror. Yes, he's the, he's the bridegroom. We know the Bible talks about that, but that's not what you think. It's not some romantic relationship we men have with him. He's our savior. He's our conqueror. He's our champion, and we want to look at Jesus that way. All right, I'm going to move on before I get myself in too much trouble. We have a high value on on youth and children here. We tripled the budget for our children's ministry and youth ministry this year. We have a passion to pour into the next generation. It's easier to make a child than repair an adult. So we put a lot of energy, a lot of emphasis into the children, into the youth of our church because we want to raise them to be godly and really see great things happen in their life. One of the other characteristics of our church, the last thing I'll say on our DNA, is we want to be a church of great marriages. We We want one thing to be said about Coastline Church. 
church, their marriages rock. They are the most passionate, loving. Uh, they have the best sex in town in their marriage, in the marriages. You know, we want our church to be known for great marriages. Why? Because it's biblical. It's godly. It's, it's amazing to have incredible marriages. And, and we want to be a church that's a hospital for marriages, where people that maybe have a broken or struggling marriage can have their marriage completely restored, get to a new place of love and passion, which is biblical, which is godly. So we want to put a lot of emphasis in building great marriages here as a church because, again, marriage is one of the two human institutions that God personally created and and divinely created, and we want to build great marriages. So let's talk about what is the purpose for today. Well, Ephesians 2.19 says, Now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Today is learning what it means to be a member of God's family. What does it mean to be a member of God's family? family. That's what we want to talk about. So the key truths of today is number one, the church is a spiritual family. The church is a spiritual family. You can study it in the Bible. The church is a spiritual family. Number two, God expects you, every person who follows Jesus Christ, to be a member of a church family. God expects that of all of us. You see it throughout scripture. And number three, a Christian without a church family is an orphan. A Christian without a church family is is a spiritual orphan. And at the end today, I'm gonna, we're going to give you the reasons why we believe membership is important. Let's talk a little bit about our purpose as a church. It can be summed up in four simple words. Reach, connect, grow, go. Reach, connect, grow, go. That is kind of who we are as a church. If you look at everything we do, it falls into one of those categories. Reach, connect, grow, go, which gives you the vision of our church, which is build a life-giving, no-perfect-people-allowed church through discipleship. Uh, that's growth, a healthy community. That's connection. We want people to connect in a healthy, authentic Christian community and winning the lost to Christ. That's our reach and our go. We want to reach people, and we want to reach them, train them, equip them, and then send them to go out and make a difference in the world. And you can find that in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission when Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority. In heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's where we discover our reach, connect, grow, go. That is our passion, our motivation, our direction as a church. So let's talk about the reach for a moment. Reach. Uh, The number one reach we have as a church, the number one outreach, the number one thing we do to reach the lost, to reach people, to connect people, to disciple people, is our weekend service, our weekend experience. That's the number one thing we do as a church. There is nothing we do as a church that makes a more powerful impact on seeing people saved, born again, connected to a family, discipled, than our weekend service. I hear people all the time say, well, Pastor, I really want to volunteer and serve uh, in an outreach at the church. Well, serve on Sunday. Serve on Saturday night. There is nothing we do as a church that is more powerful reaching people with the gospel than our weekend service. We have more unsaved people who visit us in our weekend experience than anything else we do as a church. So your most effective way to serve in an outreach, to be a part of evangelism, to be a part of outreach, is to be an usher, to be a greeter, to be part of the cafe team, to be part of the parking lot team, to be a children's worker, a youth worker. 
That's the most effective. If you want to be a part of evangelism and outreach, get involved in a Sunday experience at some capacity or Saturday experience at some capacity to serve and love and give. We have other outreaches here, but the biggest reach we do is our weekend service. In Ephesians 3, it says, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom and its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. God wants to use the church in a powerful way. Let's talk quickly about what our weekend experience is all about, what the weekend service, what are some characteristics of our weekend service? You heard me touch on it a little bit earlier. The first thing is celebration. Celebration. Psalm 122 verse 1. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of God. I don't know, if you grew up like me, that was not my verse growing up in church. I was ticked when they said it's time to go to church. Why? Because church was dead. It was boring. It was mean. It was, it, was like, it, it was painful to go to church. I mean, you just got beat up in church. I mean, they were mean. I mean, you had that Sunday school teacher that just used to love to smack you with the ruler. I had that. And it was just like, I was not glad when they said, let's go to church. It was anything but a celebration. It was like a funeral service every Sunday at the church I grew up in. And I know a lot of you have experienced that. We want church to be a celebration. Why? Because Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. That is reason enough to make Sunday a celebration experience where we should be able to laugh and rejoice and have a good time and celebrate the awesomeness of God. There are times where we're reverent. There are times where we sit in awe of who God is. There are times where we get emotional and we cry, but church should be a celebration experience every week. And people should find life here, life-giving, rich, satisfying life, life and life more abundantly through the weekend experience. It should be a celebration. Uh, the second thing is it should be preparation. You know, Ephesians 4 says God's given some to be pastors, prophets, apostles, evangelists, teachers. Why? To equip the saints, the body, the Christians to do the work of the ministry. What does that mean? That means it's my job on the weekend as the pastor in Ephesians 4 to equip you as the saints, as the body, to do the work of the ministry. That means a lot of different things. That means you're here to be equipped to work in your community, to work in your career, to work in your home for the gospel. So what I want you to begin to do is view Sunday, view the church as a gas station. All we are is a gas station. You get on empty, you pull in on Sunday morning, you fill up with the gospel, you fill up with the Holy Spirit, you fill up with the power of God, and then you go live all week long as a lighthouse in a dark, dark world. A lighthouse in your community, a lighthouse in your neighborhood, a lighthouse in your family, a lighthouse in your career, a lighthouse in all you do. So the church is here to fill you up with the power of God so that you can be a light throughout the week. Uh, Letter C, salvation. We want this to be a saving place on the weekend. That's why every, every week we give people an opportunity to put God first in their life, to say, listen, I want to serve God. I want to put God first. I want to get connected, saved, and discipled here. We want this to be a place of salvation every week. So we want our services to be a celebration. We want them to be a preparation, and we want them to be a salvation place for people to find God. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him. And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? The second part is connect. We talked about reach, connect. The number one way to connect here at Coastline Church is our life groups. Why? Because it's in life group that you really find spiritual transformation. How many of you understand on Sunday, it's really easy to show up on Sunday, to wear a mask, to go through the motions, to to appear to have your entire life together, and no one really knows otherwise. 
But when you're in a life group, when you're in a smaller setting, when you're in a smaller community of believers, your flaws are exposed a little bit more. You can't hide your issues as easily. See, on Sunday, it's pretty easy to hide your issues. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? It's pretty easy to hide your issues on Sunday morning. I mean, you can be, you know, going through some serious stuff and show up on Sunday with a smile on your face and raising your hands and no one knows the otherwise. But when you do life with other believers, when you get into a small group, when you get into a life group, there's a challenge there to grow spiritually. That's why it doesn't matter how large we ever become as a church. It's not our mission to become large. It's our mission to stay small. We know healthy things grow. We know that a healthy church will grow. We know more and more people are going to come to this church through the years. But our goal is no matter how large we grow, we will always be a small church. Why? Because life groups have to be the foundation of our church. Doing life with other believers, connecting with people, encouraging one another. And let me explain the the, the benefits of life groups. Number one, life groups are a place to connect. They're a place to connect. Paul says, when I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want, to, I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. Life groups are a place to connect. They're a place to get connected to one another, get to know one another, uh, share common ground with one another so that you have things you can grow and build on. Number two, they're a place to protect. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us and we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. We as Christians should be giving up our lives for brothers and sisters, protecting them, guarding them, uh, serving them behind their back, guarding them. When they, when they get sick in the middle of the night and need somebody to call, they can call people in their life group to be there. When they get admitted to the hospital, they can call people in their life group to care for them, to protect them, to love them, to serve them. Life groups are a place to protect you. And then third, Life groups are a place to grow. As iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. When you're in that small group context, when you're doing life together with other believers, it's a place for you to grow. They can challenge you. Iron sharpens iron. You get that. See, you got to get close for iron to sharpen iron. It's got to touch. And how many know that touch doesn't always happen on Sunday? Because again, you can hide on Sunday your weaknesses. You can hide your flaws. You can hide your issues on Sunday. But when you start doing life with other believers, you get in that close proximity and iron begins to sharpen iron and you become the best you you were created to be. And I really believe life groups are one of the greatest things you can do to get to the best you that God wants you to be. That's a place to connect. Let's talk about the grow of our church. Grow. Well, simple. We call grow, grow here. Grow is our our three-week course called grow. It's church 101, church 201, and church 301. All of us today are doing church 101 together. That's what this message is all about, is taking you through church 101 to help you understand our vision, our mission, our values. Next week, we'll be doing part two, talking about our structure, our finances, our accountability with our finances. Uh, That's what grow is all about. 201 is the essentials of Christianity. What are the four key essentials you need to serve God? You know, there's a lot of things you'll learn in your journey with Christ. There's a lot of foundations you'll get over time, but all of us need four key essentials to start the walk with Christ. You learn that in 201. 301 is discovering your spiritual gifts, discovering how God made you unique. What's the one thing you can do better than anyone else? The one thing God created you for. And when you do it, you're the best at it because it's exactly what God created you to do. And when you do that one thing, you literally feel God smiling on you. 
because that's what God created you to do. That's what 301 is all about. We do a spiritual gifts test. We do a passion assessment. We do the leadership and the disc test to discover your personality and your leadership style. We, we help you put all those things together to begin to discover how God made you unique and how God made you powerful. And when you get into the place God created you for, you begin to thrive, whether it's in career, whether it's, it's in the local church, serving, whatever it is, you begin to thrive because it's exactly what God created you for. And then soap. Soap is also part of how we grow as Christians. And we ask every part, person who is a part of our church to do soap corporately. What is soap? Well, the letter S is scripture. The letter O is observation. The letter A is application. And the letter P is prayer. Soap is a devotional journaling that we do every morning. Today, we're in John chapter 3. Those of you that read it, it was life-changing. John chapter 3 is one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. It was powerful. So what we do is corporately, we all read the same chapter of the Bible every day together because there's power in that. If you get an entire church, entire body of people all reading the same chapter every day, it's like a spiritual glue. It's a spiritual unity that begins to bind that body together. Does that mean you can't do your other devotional? No, we encourage you to keep doing your other devotional, but we ask that everybody does soap corporately. We all take 15 minutes a day to do soap. And the journaling component of it is what makes it life-changing. I've read the Bible and meditated for many, many years. But what makes soap so much more powerful, what's taken my relationship in, in, in God's Word to an entirely different level this year is the journaling component. I read chapter 3 this morning, and then I, I write my observations. What, what do I just naturally observe out of this chapter? And then I, then I write the observations in my journal. Then I ask the Holy Spirit, now how does this apply to me? What do you want to speak to me today out of chapter 3 for my life in 2012? And then I write down the applications that I feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to me out of it. And then I just write down a quick prayer, dear God. And then I write down a prayer based on my soap journal that day. It takes about 15 minutes and it is absolutely life-changing to do. So we ask people to do soap together as a church and then go, go. What's the last part? Go. Well, one of the things we did this week is we change the name of our serve teams to dream team. You know, we used to call all of our volunteers, all of our leaders, everybody that serves in any capacity of a church, part of the serve teams. But really, when I started thinking about it and started talking to some people and praying about it, what the volunteers of our church do, what the leaders of our church do, what the elders, the worship team, the ushers, the greeters, the children's workers, really what everybody in our church does is just help people discover their God-given dreams and help them fulfill their God-given dreams. See, what I really believe one of the number one roles of the church is is to help you discover what's the dream that God's placed in your heart and then how can we as a church support you to make that dream come true. That's really what it's all about at the end of the day. You know, what's the one thing that God placed in your heart that you dream about? The one thing that, whether it's in ministry, whether it's in career, whether it's in business, whether it's in family or marriage, what's the dream God's placed in your heart? And how can we as a church help you fulfill that God-given dream that God created you for? And so really, when I started thinking about all of our volunteers, all the people in leadership, all the people that serve at any capacity or any level, really, they're a dream team is what it comes down to. It's just a dream team. And so what we want to do is invite you to join the dream team. Find a place on the dream team, wherever it is, whether it's serving once a month or once a quarter or once a week, whatever it is, find a place to serve on the dream team and give your life to help the church, help people discover their God-given dreams and fulfill those dreams. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. 
He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has good things for you to do. God has a plan for your life. There are things God wants each of you to accomplish. Acts 20 and verse 24 says, But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Paul says, My life is nothing unless I use the life God's given me to do the work he called me to do. There is something that God has called each and every one of you to do. Every single one of you has a calling in life. Uh, for some of you, it's, it's, it's part of your career, but it's also part of your, your place in the local church. Where are you called to serve on the dream team within the local church? That's part of your calling. See, we don't have just one calling. Sometimes we have multiple callings. Some callings are once a month. Some callings are, are Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. Some callings are, are to our marriage and to our spouse. We have multiple callings. What are the different callings God has for your life? What are the different areas that God has assigned you something to do that you're not fulfilling yet? We as a church want to help you discover that and fulfill that. At Coastline Church, uh, we believe that every member is a minister. Every person who is a member of our church is called by God to be a minister, a missionary, a leader at some capacity or some level. No Christian has ever been called by God to sit on the bench and watch. Every Christian, every person that follows Jesus Christ is called to be uh, on the team, on the field, at some capacity serving. Whether they're a coach, whether they're a player, whatever it is, we're all called to have some part of the job be somewhere on the team. Every task is important. We genuinely believe everything we do is important from putting the worship pack together. Well, well, Pastor, that's just a couple notes and a connection card and a pen. How can that be that important? It is critically important. We are not a business that worries about bottom line and how much we sell and how much we earn. What we do means the difference of heaven and hell. What we do as a church is literally the difference between life and death, between heaven and hell forever. That's eternally important. What we do is not going to pass away, you know, with each passing generation or when we die. What we do has eternal significance, has eternal consequences. That's why everything we do matters here. Every task is important. And we believe here that every member is a 10 in somewhere, some area. Everybody here is a perfect 10 in some area in your life. And that's what Church 101 is all about. It's helping you discover where has God made you a perfect 10? Where has God made you, what is that one thing God created you to do that you do better than everyone else? And when you do that one thing, it literally rocks the kingdom of God for good. It makes a huge difference and it helps you be fulfilled because you flourish and thrive in there. That's what it means to be a part of the dream team. Now let's talk a little bit as we, 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 we come to the end, talk a little bit about church membership and what it means to be a member of a church and why we at Coastline believe it is absolutely important to be a member of a church. The difference between an attender, a church attender, and a church member can be summed up in one word, commitment. That's the big difference. Plain and simple. It's, it's commitment. A church attender is a consumer. They come, they enjoy, they consume. And let me make it absolutely clear. I know I said it earlier. If you decide to be a church attender, you will always be welcome here. We will always love you. We will always give of ourselves. You will always be able to enjoy this church. You will never be turned away. Let me make that very, very clear. You will always be welcome here. Always. A church member is a contributor. 
That's the big difference. If someone who is a member contributes, they give. They, they, they give of time, talent, and treasure to make a difference in their local church. And that's the big difference. We believe in church membership for four uh, uh, key reasons why we support and believe in church membership at Coastline Church. Number one is a biblical reason. Christ committed himself to the church. There's a biblical reason. Christ committed to the church. Ephesians 5.25, just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her. Christ loved the church so much that he absolutely gave up his life for the church. We believe Christ was committed to the church, loved the church, so we believe in church membership for a biblical reason. Number two, a cultural reason. Church membership is an antidote to the society we live in. See, we live in a day and age where people don't want to commit to anything. They don't want to commit to a job. They don't want to commit to a marriage. They don't want to commit to a sports team. They don't want to commit to anything. They bounce and change. As quickly as they discover a passion, they find a new passion the next day. Commitment swims against America's current of this, this consumer religion. We have literally created a generation of church shoppers and hoppers and, and consumers. Membership swims against that tide. Membership is an unselfish decision. And let me say it like this, commitment will always build character. Commitment always builds character. So becoming a church member is a very unselfish decision, and it goes against where America is at today culturally. Uh, Number three, a practical reason. Membership can define who can be counted on. Membership defines who can be counted on. Think about it. Every team has a roster. Every school has an enrollment. Every business has a payroll. Every army has an enlistment. We even take a census in our country. Think think of it like this for a second. Imagine the San Diego Padres starting the season without a roster. How far are they going to get in Major League Baseball if they don't have a roster? If, if, If they just operate and say, well, you know, we'll just see who shows up today to play. How, how, how good are they going to be in Major League Baseball without a roster? It's ridiculous to think about a team like the San Diego Padres starting the season without a roster. Why? Because they need to know who they can count on. They need to know who is on the team, who, who is committed to this organization, who are going to be out on the field, who can we require to be at practice, require to play in games, and, and require to help make this franchise successful. It's the same thing. We need as a church to know who can we count on. Who are the people that are committed to this place so that we know who can be counted on so that we can move together as a church and see God use us in a very significant way in this community? And then lastly, a personal reason. Church membership produces spiritual growth. The New Testament places a major, major emphasis on the need for Christians to be accountable to each other for spiritual growth. You cannot be accountable when you're not committed to any specific church family. There's no accountability. If you're not committed to a church family, there is no accountability in your life to grow, to change, to to be everything God wants you to be and creates you to be. And I know this is not popular in our modern thought because we don't like accountability. In the modern world, we live in the highest ideal, the highest virtue we have in our modern world is, is individualism. You know, our personal freedom, our personal liberty, our personal choices. We don't want to be accountable to anything. Because accountability infringes on our liberty. Accountability infringes on our freedom. Accountability infringes on our personal choices. But think about it. Without accountability, there's no growth. You can't grow to everything God wants you to be without accountability. So we believe in church membership for these reasons. So what I want you to do is 
I want you to look at the church membership. Uh, uh, we, we put the wrong word. We put the word application, but this is not applying for anything. This is a commitment. Uh, so, so don't think that, that once you turn this in, you have to wait to hear if you've been approved. There, there, there's, no, there's no approval process necessary. If you sign the commitment and turn it in, you're in, plain and simple. So it's not going to be, we're not going to review it and say, okay, you know, are, are they? No, just if you sign it, turn it in, you're in. I just want to make that very clear. Four requirements to being a member of Coastline Church. Have you committed your life to Jesus Christ and trusted him for salvation? You can attend the church and not be a Christian, but if you want to be a member with the privilege of voting, with the privilege of attending uh, a town hall meeting, if we ever need a town hall meeting, there's there's certain things that members will have the right to do that non-members won't simply have the right to do. We need you to be a believer. We need you to have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Number two, have you been baptized in water since you committed your life to Christ? Or do you have a commitment to be baptized uh, as a believer? So either box, if you check, is fine. If you've been baptized, wonderful. If you haven't been baptized but have a desire to be water baptized, we believe in water baptism as a statement, a public declaration of our faith. Jesus Christ was baptized, and we want to be like Christ. So there's this, baptism won't affect your salvation. It won't get you into heaven or out of heaven, but it is a public declaration of your salvation. Three, have you completed Church 101? Everyone can put yes because we're doing that this morning. And then four, do you desire to live or do you desire to abide by the Coastline Church Membership Covenant? Every group has a code of conduct. If you go to a country club, there's a code of conduct for the members. We have a church membership covenant that we ask people to abide by and support if they want to be a member of our church. And if you turn the card over, you can look at the membership covenant with me. First thing it says, I'll protect the unity of my church. How? By loving one another. Jesus said by this, all men will know you're, to my, you're my disciples, your love for one another. If you go to Best Buy, you see the blue polos. If you go to McDonald's, they wear a uniform. It, you know, everywhere you go, you go to Home Depot, you see the orange aprons. Why? That symbolizes who the employee is. Well, what symbolizes whether or not you're part of Coastline Church? Your love for one another. By this, all men, you'll know you're my disciples, your love for one another. We want this to be a church that guards each other's back, that protects each other's back. Uh, by refusing to indulge in gossip, either about people or our leadership, we want to be a church that is, that is absolutely opposed to gossip. We do not want gossip tolerated in this church. We don't want people talked about behind their back in a negative way at all. We want to kill gossip in this church. We want you to know that if you're a member here, that people are going to protect you from behind. People are going to love you from behind. They'll brag about you. They'll encourage you. They'll speak well about you. But we shut down gossip as a church. We do not tolerate gossip. If God's forgiven you, if God's restored you, if if you're walking with God, we don't need to talk about your past. It doesn't matter. If you make a mistake, we don't need to talk about it. It doesn't matter because that's gossip. We'll address things in the right way, but we won't tolerate gossip here. We'll support the leaders in our vision. Uh, We'll faithfully participate in SOAP, our corporate church devotion. Now, what happens if you miss a day? Just move on to the next day. Everyone will miss a day. Now, I don't encourage you to miss a day, but if you do miss a day, don't get frustrated and give up and quit. Just pick it back up the next day. Three, I'll serve the ministry of my church. Find a place on the dream team to serve, whether it's once a month, once a quarter, once a week, whatever it is. Discover your gifts and talents. Go to Church 301. See how God made you unique and find a place to serve on the dream team and make a difference in the lives of others. Support the testimony of my church by attending services and, and, and being a part of a life group. 
by living a godly life, by exemplifying our 10 church values that we talked about a couple weeks. They're on our website. You can look at our church values and, and learning to live by the values of our church. And then by operating in character and integrity in the workplace. We want a mark of the people of Coastline Church in the community to say they are honest businessmen. They are honest businesswomen. They operate in character. They operate in integrity. They are honest in the workplace. We want honest people in the workplace. If you have a secular job, we want you to operate that career, that business, that job with character, with integrity, with honesty, and we want you to have a good reputation in the community because of those things. Those are things we want to encourage you to do in the workplace as a member of our church. And then fifthly, I commit to tithing 10% of all of my earnings as the Bible commands to support and provide the resources necessary for God's work through our church in a powerful way which will impact lives today and for all eternity. We are a tithing church and we simply don't apologize for it. That's just who we are. And there's two reasons we're a tithing church. Number one, the personal reason. We understand the power of tithing for you personally. Every time I talk about tithing, I see people in the audience with smiles shaking their heads at me. Why? Because they get it. They get it. They know the power of tithing. You know, we, you know I, I, tithers for some reason just naturally land on their feet more than other people in difficult times. We have, you know, we, we have people in our church I've seen even this week go through an absolutely horrendous uh, financial thing in their business, in their career. And in the middle of going through one of the worst things you can possibly go through in business, they land on their feet. They, they immediately God provides for them. And I was talking to them about it, and they said, you know, I, I just have to attribute it to tithing. You know, I, I've always faithfully tithed, and God provides me. There are blessings on tithers. You see other people uh, who don't faithfully tithe. They go through tough things in business and career, and it just, it's just struggle after struggle after struggle, and it just doesn't connect. It just doesn't make sense. And you wonder, why is one person land on their feet, and the other person continually struggling? And the only thing I can see is tithing over and over and over again. And let me, let me just give you a quick uh, 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 clarification on tithing. I heard someone say to me this week, well, you know, God's really challenging me to increase my tithe. And I thought, you know, and I understood what they were saying, but I just need to clarify this for the church. The word tithe means 10%, 10th part. Mathematically, it is impossible to increase a tithe. 10% is 10%. You cannot increase 10%. You can't decrease it. You can't increase it. It is what it is. It's 10%. Plain and simple. So, so mathematically, it's impossible to increase your tithe. You can increase your giving up to a tithe, but you cannot increase a tithe. And what I want to do now is I want to invite Harvey to come up with me. Uh, he joined our church a year ago, and professionally, he works with people who are in financial trouble, uh, turning their businesses around, turning their personal lives around, getting out of debt, uh, going through different circumstances and situations. And so he does this professionally, working with people in their finances. And he asked if he could say a word about tithing this weekend, because he has a very unique take on it in his career in the financial world doing financial planning. Thank you, Adrian. It's been kind of interesting for me. Uh, this is the third opportunity I've had to, to speak about this. And it's still fresh in my mind that less than a year ago, just, just about a year to the day, uh, my wife and I came down to San Diego and now live in Lake San Marcos. And the first Sunday we were here was Easter. It happens to have been the second Sunday we were at this church. For a year before, my son and daughter-in-law said when we came down to visit the grandkids and whatnot for Easter, why don't we go to this church that Jocelyn found, he's a realtor, 
And he says, Dad, I said, this is just a great church. Let's go there. So one year later, we come in, and we've been coming ever since. The story I want to share with you is really how impactful tithing has become in our lives, in my life, my wife's life. First start with, I haven't always been a tither. In fact, I haven't always been a churchgoer. I have been blessed many times with great income and some other times not. But there were times that I did not tithe at all. I didn't go to church. But you know, I got married just about six years ago to my wonderful wife, Connie. In our hearts, we made a commitment to tithe. It has changed our lives completely. I have as a passion the love of people and to help people who are going through financial strife, whether their house is upside down, they're buried in debt, their businesses are failing. I just have had a lot of gifts given to me by God that I'm able to share with others. And inevitably we start with a balance sheet and a profit and loss statement. Or if you take a look at what their money comes in and where it goes out, and the focus initially goes into the little line item called contribution. And I will tell you, there's a full range from zero, 10% plus. But what that really is there is where their heart is. The first thing we do is we look at it as not being an expense as an outgo. But in fact, it's just part of the gift that God gave us on our income. He commands that 10% of all our increase, whether that be in wages, commission, dividends, inheritance, however it's come about that we had an increase, give to me, he says, first the 10%, and I will give to you the 90. So when you realize that when you get a paycheck, it's the gifts and talents that you have that have been given to you by God. And that's the reason we have abundance. And so, in our life journey, there's, there's a roller coaster. Very few of us, if any, have just a straight line to prosperity. But we draw upon our strengths at the time when things are not going well. And then when we use our strengths when we are doing well to help others, it's just beautiful. So tithing is not a financial transaction. Pastor Aaron has mentioned that so many times. It really is a measure of our heart. And so, you've heard about tithing, you've heard about offering being the excess of tithes. I just want you to know that life is simple. There's, there's two, two parts that you have to figure out. One is knowingness, and one is willingness. Knowingness is knowing that that is commanded, and that's what is expected of us. And then the willingness is the ability to either be willing or unwilling. And if we're willing, we're either able or unable. If we're able, it's a quick think, it's a quick decision. If we're unable, it takes more development to find out how that can happen. But as soon as you look at money differently, not as outgo, but as inflow from God, as soon as we look at writing that check as putting God first, I will tell you, you will have a tool for transformation that will change your life forever. So I just wanted to share that encourage you to reach into your heart 
And if your decision is not yet made to tithe, that's fine. Pray upon it. Be of counsel with your spouse. Take your time. God bills us 10% every time he gives us an increase. But you know what? He's willing not to collect it for all the past. But beginning today, you have a chance to make that decision. So enjoy that. And then, so that's the personal reason. The, the second reason God establishes the tithe is because that's how the church operates. Uh, plain and simple, Malachi says, bring the tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Well, this is God's house. The food that he's talking about is our children's ministry. The food is our youth pastor. The food is our children's pastor. The food is this beautiful facility. The food is our worship team. The food are the different things we do as a church to operate this place to reach people for the gospel. I don't like and I don't want to make my to, to spend my life asking for money. I don't want to be a fundraiser. Let me be very clear. I don't want to raise money. I, I hate it. I would rather have a church that just lived biblically, understood the tithe, obeyed the tithe, so I never had to ask for money. People just naturally return it because they understand the biblical importance and the the biblical obedience of it so that I never have to... Do you realize if 50% of our church tithe, we would already have broken ground and be under construction with our new children's and youth facility? If just 50% of our church tithe, we would have already... And we would never have to do a capital campaign. We wouldn't have to do any fundraising. We wouldn't have to do any type of capital campaign. We would already be building because that's what the tithe is established for. The tithe is to care for the needs of the church. It's when churches don't tithe that we have to do fundraisers and capital campaigns to advance the purpose of the church. So my dream, my desire as a pastor is just for a church that lives biblically so I don't have to ask for money. I don't want to spend my life asking for money. I just don't want to do it. I would rather you get the revelation of what the Word of God teaches on tithing so that everything we need is provided for through the tithe and we never have to do special offerings and we don't have to do fundraisers and we don't have to do capital campaigns. Now, very likely this year as we grow, we'll have to do a capital campaign for the next building. I would love for the church to shock us and surprise us and just start tithing so we don't have to do that. I'm just being very transparent today. I want you to know my heart. I'm just being very transparent, very real today to let you understand biblically what the tithe is all about and what the tithe goes to. It goes to advancing God's purposes and God's kingdom here as a church. So what I'd like you to do now is I want you to take this membership commitment. The worship team is going to play a song. We're going to put some black buckets here on the stage. Susan, if you'll bring those up for me. And during this song, I want you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you about what was presented today. And if you want to be a part of Coastline Church, you want to say, listen, I'm all in. Just fill this out. You've been, you, you may have been coming here for 10 years. You may have been coming here for 15 years. You may have been coming here for two weeks. It doesn't matter. If, if you feel like this is your home, this is your church home, this is where God's called you, this is where God wants to plant you, I encourage you and invite you to fill this out during the song. Bring it up. Drop it off in the bucket. If you don't have one of these, raise your hand, and I'll make sure the ushers uh, bring them around quickly. Uh, but during this song, we, we've had probably, you know, 40 last night turned in. We've probably had another 60, 70 uh, in the first service. So I'm encouraged by the people that are saying, listen, I'm all in. This is my church home. This is my family. I want to be a part of it. So during the song, just walk up to the altar, drop it off in one of the buckets, and just make a public statement. Listen, this is my home. I'm here. I'm ready to go. You can count on me. You can, you can, you can define me as part of your team. So let the Holy Spirit speak to you during the song.